This is TM Camp, and you're listening to the podcast edition of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book Two, The Winter Palace. Chapter 15. Assam woke with a start, dragging himself out of a dream. He sat up, staring wildly, not sure where he was or what he was doing there. He couldn't remember what it was that frightened him so. Already the dream was fading in his memory, like the lingering ache of a rotten tooth waiting to be pulled. A wave of dizziness washed over him, and his head fell backward, pulling the rest of him back down. Once the spell had cleared, he sat up once more, slower this time, and looked around. The room was small, dark-paneled walls close around him. One side was full of shelves and cupboards lined with various jars and bottles and tins. On the other wall, two statues stood in shallow alcoves, a man and a woman fashioned in pale marble, perfectly lifelike. The sculptor had posed them leaning around the sides, eyes startled and staring into the room, as though they had been interrupted in whispered conversation. Their frozen glances towards him was so lifelike, uncannily so, that he felt as though he should apologize for the interruption. He was lying on a low table, perfectly fitted for the length of his body, like a coffin. To his left sat a large metal bowl with a damp rag hanging over the rim. The bowl was empty, save for a small clump of what looked like crumbled leaves that gathered in the gutters of his street back home. In front of him, at the foot of his table, was a door standing half open, revealing a slice of a view out into the room beyond. Against the wall next to the door was a small wooden chair. There was a book spread face down on the seat. In a flash, Hassam realized where he was and what he was looking at. He'd seen this room before, but now he was seeing it with his eyes. He could see. He swung his legs over the side of the table, careful should another wave of dizziness overtake him as it had before. He stood up slowly, unsteady. Hello? He spoke loud enough to be heard by anyone who might be listening for him, but not so loud as to startle anyone who didn't know he was there. There was no answer. He took a step towards the door, a little wobbly on his feet. His head felt oddly clean somehow like a window that's been scrubbed and has the springtime sun shining through, a faint whiff of vinegar in the air. He went to the chair. The ragged dust jacket on the book showed an illustration of two men building a wall out of playing cards. The cards were massive, larger than either of the men toiling to lift them into place. He didn't recognize the title of the book or the name of the author. The chair looked old and worn, he knew exactly what it would sound like if he sat down. He'd heard it often enough when he'd been blind. He waited for a moment by the open door, looking back at the room. 
the table, the basin, the shelves and cupboards. He held it there in his mind the way you might hold a snapshot in your hand and know that you were looking at a slice of time, however thin, certain that it was real. Except for the statues, he hadn't seen them before, neither in his mind nor his memory. Carefully and quietly, he slipped out to the open door and into the next room. It was like stepping into a cathedral, a palace, an ornate tomb, silent and dry as dust. It was a massive space, with high walls rising up to a vaulted ceiling overhead. The walls were lined with wooden shelves from floor to ceiling. Narrow, wrought-iron catwalks ran along the sides at various levels, unreachable except by two tightly wound spiral staircases set in opposite corners of the room. It was a library, of course. There were books everywhere, lined up neatly on the shelves, stacked on tables, resting forgotten on chairs, even scattered across the floor here and there like fallen leaves in early autumn. It was exactly the sort of place that Assam would have been more than happy to spend an eternity in. He immediately, albeit wistfully, pushed the thought from his mind. He had not forgotten where he was. He had not forgotten what wishing for eternity meant here, in this place. Across the broad lower level from where Assam was standing, a bank of five massive windows rose to the ceiling. Cold winter light poured in from outside, the sky beyond clotted with thick flurries of snow. He could not tell what time of day it was. It might be morning and it might be afternoon. He did not know if it was still the same day that they had taken tea with the queen. He did not know how long he'd been asleep. He did not know how long he'd been blind. He did not, he realized with a pang of fear and guilt, know where his sister was. Then, for a brief moment, the walls of his mind shuddered and expanded. He had a sense of rushing, a blur of movement through unknown hallways and chambers before coming to a gentle stop. He felt something, his mind brushing lightly against a... a what? A burst of warmth and recognition, a sense of relief, a bright little voice in the back of his mind. And then the library walls slipped back into place, surrounding him once more. His mouth felt dry, and he was suddenly very, very tired. But he also knew, somehow, that his sister was safe. To one side of the library stood a large stone fireplace, the fire within battling back as best it could against the cold winter light spilling in through the windows. Around the hearth was arranged a collection of overstuffed chairs, sofas, and end tables. Not entirely sure if he should be exploring without permission, Assam took a few tentative steps into the room. There was a table in the center, a massive square slab of dark wood piled high with books and papers. He approached it cautiously, feeling more and more like he was about to be caught, reprimanded, and punished. He picked up a sheet of paper from a small stack, scanning the cramped, almost illegible handwriting. The phrase... I am not entirely helpless, 
caught his eye. He frowned, vague familiarity ringing in his mind, but he could not think of where he had read those words before. He set the paper back down where he had found it. Suddenly, he felt self-conscious, as though he were being spied upon. He looked around quickly, eyes darting to the little nooks and corners of the room, glancing up to the empty catwalks overhead. He was alone. Almost. On one side of the library, opposite the fireplace, stood two massive doors of polished wood. Next to them, a pale figure waited motionless. A tall, broad-shouldered man with long, shoulder-length hair and a fierce, disapproving gaze. He wore a thick sweater and a rumpled pair of trousers, and, from head to foot, he was entirely white. For a moment, Assam thought it was a ghost. He swallowed and exhaled. It was a statue, like the ones he'd seen back in the little room. He relaxed, barely. He wasn't quite sure what he should do, but he was fairly certain that he probably shouldn't be doing what he was doing right now. He considered going back to the little room to lie down and wait for his caretaker to return. Or he could stay here, find something to read maybe, and wait by the fire. Or he could, very carefully, explore a bit more and hope he didn't get caught. If he had been more like his sister, he would have started exploring immediately, looking for secrets and clues. But he wasn't like his sister. Not much. He walked over to one of the tall windows and peered out, looking down a long slope to a river. He assumed it was the river, but he couldn't be sure. He put his palm against the glass, cold radiating through the pane and up his arm. You're up and about, a voice said behind him. How do you feel? Assam turned in surprise to see a man sitting in one of the chairs by the fire. The boy hadn't seen him as he walked past, but he recognized him instantly. He'd listened to the whispery rasp of that voice. He'd caught glimpses of that friendly, careworn face, all back when he'd been blind. The man rose from his chair, smiling. He had a pair of spectacles in his hand and was polishing them with a scrap of cloth. His close-cropped hair was the color of the ashes at the base of the fire, gray, tinged with the memory of a warmer color that might have once been red. He wore a faded blue work shoe and a pair of colorless trousers. He looked like a handyman, and if he'd had a name stenciled over his breast pocket, he didn't. Assam would have not been surprised. Hello again, the old man set the glasses on his nose, blinking. I'm sorry, the boy said. I didn't know where you'd gone, and I woke up alone, so I came out here to find someone. The man bobbed his head, the lenses of his glasses flashing like coins in the pale light of the windows. And so you have, he said to the boy, coming forward. I'm very pleased to see you're up and about. Thank you. How are your eyes? 
any blurriness or stinging. There was genuine concern in that voice, Hassan thought. No, they feel fine, he replied. Thank you. The man took his arm and gently turned him so he was facing the windows. He tilted the boy's head back, inspecting his eyes. No flashes of light or odd shadows in the periphery? Um, not really. That's good to hear. He let go of the boy's head and stepped back. You're likely to be in for some interesting times, so be careful. The man smiled conspiratorially. Not that I know what interesting means, of course, or if it's good or bad. We'll just have to wait and see. Okay. Would you like a cup of tea? The old man gestured. There was a small table with a brown teapot and cups laid out near the fireplace. No, thank you. The man nodded. Well, come and have a seat, anyways. I'd like to hear more about you and what happened to your... He broke off. There was an odd rasping sound from behind him. Assam turned and blinked, not sure he was seeing what he thought he was seeing. The statue, by the door, was walking towards them. Each movement, its legs as it's walked, the shift of its head on its neck, grated like two stones rubbing together. The sound set Assam's teeth on edge. What is it? the old man asked as the statue approached. The statue inclined its head next to his ear. The old man nodded, listening. Thank you, Gardner. Assam had heard nothing. The statue stepped away, returning to its place at the door. I'm terribly sorry, the old man told Assam. I would have liked to have talked with you a bit longer, but... Unfortunately, I need to... There was a sharp crack from behind them, like a tree limb breaking. Assam turned to see that the statue had bent over at the waist, as though it were inspecting the floor in front of the door for something it had lost. And then, the doors opened, and his sister walked in. Hey! She rushed over to throw her arms around him, pinning his elbows to his sides and rocking him back and forth. How are you? She stepped back, waving her hand in front of his face. Can you see me? Can you see my hand? Yes, I'm fine now. He swatted her hand away. Thank you. I've been looking everywhere for you. Really? No, not really, she admitted. But it was nice of me to say so anyway, right? I guess. But next time you should try to pretend for a little while longer, he told her. It's more polite. But where have you... He stopped. The most beautiful woman he had ever seen walked through the doors of the library. He felt his breath siphon out of his mouth in a thin trickle of something that did not even remotely resemble words. The woman nodded to the statue bowing in front of her. Gardner. 
the statue straightened up with a dry crack, closed the doors, and took up its place beside them once more. Well, hello, the woman said to Assam as she approached. He stared, dumbfounded. The long dress she was wearing shimmered and shifted like water before his eyes. She glanced briefly around the library. Assam followed her gaze. They were alone. The old man had gone. Somewhere in the shelves, he heard a small door quietly close. Are you feeling better? The woman asked him. Before he could answer, his sister said, This is the queen. Assam nodded. In the world's least quiet whisper, G added, Her name is Winterly and her clothes can change all by themselves. Try not to stare. She nudged him, whispering out of the corner of her mouth. I'll explain later. Yes, I saw. Thank you. The queen was younger than he had expected. He saw immediately why his sister trusted her. He wondered how he could have ever thought that they wouldn't be safe in her hands. Kindness radiated from her in gentle waves. Thank you for everything, your majesty. His sister kicked him. Ow! He stared at her. What was that for? She doesn't like to be called that, remember? Winterly chuckled and gave him an apologetic look. I'm afraid you won't find me all that majestic once you get to know me. Assam didn't know what to say, so he thanked her again. Briefly, she touched her fingertips to his cheek. It's good to see you, but it's much better to be seen. I wasn't sure we'd be able to help. Assam nodded, trying to will away the blush blooming on his cheek where her fingers had touched. Yes, you did. I mean, you were. He sighed inwardly. Thank you. As they were speaking, G grew bored and wandered off to explore the library a bit more. You're welcome. The queen glanced past him to the rest of the library, a faint flicker of disappointment passing over her face. She looked back to him. He took care of you. Look at this, G called to them. She was standing in front of a large brass globe resting on a massive oak stand as tall as she was. She set it spinning with her hand, the unfamiliar continents etched into the globe flashing by as it picked up speed. There was a low sound in the air, a ringing hum like the resonant echo of a bell that had been struck. Yeah, that's great. Assam looked back to the queen with a shrug. I would like to know, she said quietly, what the two of you talked about. I envy you that time with him. The librarian? She tipped her head in confusion. No, my husband. Where's Ajaya? His sister called. Assam ignored her, turning back to the queen. Um, I don't think I... He stopped. 
Kindly, she waited for the realization to sink in. I'm sorry. At first I thought he was a nurse or a doctor or something, but he gestured around the room. Then I just figured he was the librarian. Oh no, Winterly said, nodding to the statue by the doors. John is the librarian. I thought he was the gardener. No, the woman replied. That's his name, not his occupation. Look at this, G called from the other end of the room. She pointed to a small glass case on a table, which held what was either a particularly poorly maintained toupee or a rather expertly groomed species of rodent. Possibly it was both. I think it used to be alive. Yes, it's fascinating, the queen called. But perhaps we should go, now that you have your brother again. Oh, the girl said, suddenly sullen. I wanted to explore more. Well, perhaps next time. Assam didn't think about that until much later, what the queen had said. She turned to him as G made her way back over. What did you talk about? There was a sad, earnest quality to the question. He took a breath, remembering. We talked about poetry, he told her. We talked about you. For a moment, her face crumpled into itself, and he thought that she might break down. The queen took a shuddering breath and held it, her eyes never leaving his. Then she let it out again. I should very much like to hear what he said, she told him. He nodded. Yes, your majesty. Don't call her that, his sister said, walking over. What? She studied him carefully. So you can see again? Completely? Yes. She scrunched up her face between her hands. You can see this? she asked, although it sounded more like, You can see this? Yes. Assam could practically see the relief pooling around her. I'm fine now, he told her, remembering that it had been her fault. I can see. He didn't bother telling her the rest, since he wasn't quite sure about it himself. The old man, the king, he reminded himself, had been right. It was going to take some getting used to. You have been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and performed by T.M. Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at www.tmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you.
Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. Before requesting permission, check with your doctor to find out if Assam and Darjeeling is right for you. Some listeners have reported cases of drowsiness, confusion, or extreme paranoia. Assam and Darjeeling has also been known to cause dementia and hallucinations in some younger listeners. If you or your children experience any of these symptoms, discontinue use immediately and contact a medical professional as death may be imminent. Unless otherwise noted, all contents of this production are copyright 2008, TM Camp. All rights reserved.